you're passionate about sports and you want to work hard, like it doesn't matter if you are working in a minor league team or a professional team or at a league, like any way you can get your foot in the door, you just kind of come in and work hard, like that'll get noticed and make it the next, the next job all that much easier. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports, media, disruption, analytics, all different kinds of things. We're here at the 2022 MIT Sloan Sports Conference in the beginning of March, the first time that we are back in person since the 2020 Sport, Sloan MIT Sports Conference. And we've been grabbing some people as they kind of come along and lo and behold, we find a new faculty member at Columbia wandering the halls and Tom Cerny and LJ Holmgren decided to grab him and pull him in. So Kyle Burkhart, welcome to the Cusp Show and welcome to the Columbia program. Thank you, appreciate you having me. Cool. So you are the VP Club Strategy and Business Intelligence now at Major League Soccer. You are the third referee, I think, that we will have on the podcast, as, as uh, Tom Cerny and I were trying to figure out. Uh, you were at NYCFC before this. So kind of walk us through your career and how you got to where you are right now at MLS. Yeah, totally. So I got an undergrad in economics. I didn't really know what to do with that. Um, and so it's a familiar up, theme here. For yeah, some right. Like yeah. It, I, I had never really even thought about working in sports as a potential mm. career. Right. I played soccer and ran track in college, love sports, but had never really thought about it as a career. Where'd you go to school? Carleton College. Cool. OK. Yeah. Small liberal arts college, mm. Minnesota, and started out working for an e-commerce firm. It's the same thing every month. Just didn't really like it and kind of fumbled my way into becoming the first analyst for Minnesota Timberwolves. They had just started a strategy and analytics department for the first time. They hired my boss about a month before I got there, coming out of the new collective bargaining agreement um, in the for the 2011-12 season. And so um, got my start there. And it was great to dive in because they had never really, you know, used data to make decisions across the mm -hmm. organization. They, you know, they had a, a person in ticketing who kind of intuitively was really good with that stuff, but, you know, to see the way that it, it started to get used across the whole org. Um, and, and where they're at now and, and under Laura Meyer and everything is, is really, really good. So how did you stumble into it? They posted a position for an email marketing coordinator. I was like, I analyze email data. I should, I can apply. I can fake my way through that. They literally wanted somebody to build emails. Um, they decided after posting the job that they needed an analyst. Mm -hmm. And they had a bunch of applications for an email marketing coordinator. And I was an analyst that had actually applied when they decided they needed an analyst. So um, definitely a little bit of good fortune to get into the industry. Looking back on it now, like I didn't realize how difficult, you know, it is to get in to sports. And so it was just like, it was well, easy. I, I, I just showed up. I just showed up. Exactly. So, but like, so, I look back on it now yeah. and it's like, but you know, then I was able to put, you know, four years of the Timberwolves on my resume mm -hmm. and like, it's been a lot easier, you know, amazing forward happened, with that. But it? like, yeah, if, if mm -hmm. people are always asking me like, what do I need to do to get into sports? I was like, I'm not a good example. Right. Right. Exactly. Like this, this is not the norm. This isn't how it typically happens. So usually we tell people marry rich. That yeah. Helps. Yeah. So, so, anyway, that's a good way to start. Yeah. So, so I, I spent almost four years there working for both Timberwolves and the Lynx. Um, and then I've spent two years with the LA Kings. Uh, and then I started the strategy and analytics group for the LA Clippers. They were the last team in the NBA to have kind of business analytics, which is ironic given who their owner is. Totally. And yeah. so, but part of it is when, when Steve bought the team, they were on kind of their first run of sustained on-court success ever. So revenues were, were increasing year over year over year. Um, and so once some of that turnover happened, that's when they really started to you know, transform the way they're, they're doing some things internally, which started with, uh, you know, or one of the things was, was building an analytics department. Um, so, so when you got involved, really, and now you talk to everybody, and BI is not just 
something that, that clubs do. You know, you, you came to our program through our colleague, Russ Gavetti, who's really a pioneer in the space. It's now become almost something that can be outsourced to brands. Did you see that when you were beginning at the Timberwolves? Like, this is really kind of a thing that, that nobody really kind of realized the value. Yeah, I think, you know, so early on, even the quick wins, I, yeah. like, it wasn't that people were opposed to it. They just didn't even know what Fear. they didn't know. Fear. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, even from going back to the basics of lead scoring and lead assignment and how, you know, mm. we're tracking people and trying to get through a lot of that. Like, mm. you know, I, you look at where we're at now, that's something that everybody has implemented, right? Mm. But that was kind of revolutionary and maybe not revolutionary, but like very new to a lot of organizations back then. And so, uh, you know, but on the brand side of it too, it's like now the expectations, like from a partnership perspective of what you're able to provide are so much greater than they used to be, yeah. right? Like if, if they're going to spend millions of dollars with you, they want to know exactly who your customers are. They want to know, you know, what the reach is, what the engagement is, what they're actually getting out of that. And I feel mm. like some of that definitely wasn't there early on. So yeah, just watching that evolution has been, it's, it's come a long way. So NBA, NHL, and then back to your passion, I would imagine, right? Yes. Because tell us about the, we got to hear about the referee. You yeah. know, you're the referee. You were a referee. So, <laughs> so I, I started refereeing. I feel like when everybody does, I was like 10 or 11, right? And I would Ooh. referee six-year-olds. Go hold the flag. You know, hold the flag. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of so. having to work an hourly job, I would go, yeah. you know, run around on the field for a little bit um, and, and just fell in love with it, right? So I played Division three soccer, knew I wasn't going to be a professional soccer player. And refereeing was a way to stay involved in the game at, mm -hmm. at a very highest level. And so, um, you know, I've, I've had some amazing experiences. I was able to referee the first ever uh, game at U.S. Bank Stadium in my home city in Minneapolis in front of 64,000 people with Chelsea Nates yeah. in the lawn. And, uh, you know, some of these other things I've seen a lot of the country. Just kind of slide that. Yeah. In. It's kind of like a not a big thing. So, yeah, you know, but so. see, seen a lot of parts of the country that I probably wouldn't have gotten to because yeah. I, you know, was flying in for games and, and stuff like that. And so, you know, obviously something I love, some of my best friends are, are all referees and things. And so it's really nice now, even working in the league, when guys come to town, it's always, you know, grabbing dinner or something after the game with, with the guys who did the game. So. That's cool. So, so passion for soccer, played soccer, refereed soccer. How did the MLS first NYCFC and then MLS then kind of roll yeah. into where you are? Yeah, I think so. You know, NYCFC was a great opportunity because they're owned by City Football Group and it's amazing to have kind of that conglomerate resource. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, we're really starting to focus on how do we build NYCFC in New York and not do it, you know, just the way CFG does things around the world. And so, um, you know, being able to come in and help build a brand that's still really early on. Like, yes, we've, you know, we've now won MLS Cup, mm. but they've still been around for less than 10 years, right? And so, you know, having worked for more established brands, getting to work for kind of that up and coming startup or competitor brand uh, was just a really different way to look at how you're trying to penetrate the market, how you're trying to even still build brand awareness, right? And trying to encourage people to realize that like the MLS has also come a long way. Like the quality of play is, is really, really good. Mm. Um, and, you know, just try to get more people involved in the game. Um, Cool. So, so question actually, as I thought about this with City Football Club, is business analytics a viable tool or a usable tool outside of the U.S.? Does, do they use it in Australia and China and, and um, in the U.K. For, for Manchester City? Yeah, and you know, I think it, it takes on different meanings over there, right? So like, obviously, a lot of the work we do in BI, I feel like in the States, is, is focused on ticketing, right? We work with marketing, we work with partnerships, so like a lot of people's bread and butter is ticketing they're less worried about their ticketing, right? Mm -hmm. And they're not necessarily trying to maximize the yield in every single seat in the stadium. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, that's, you know, something that we're constantly looking at. But on the partnership side, because they are such a big brand, I think they've, you know, taken steps that are, you know, go well past what some of us are able to duplicate here. Just like, even just from a headcount resources technology perspective, 
uh, having that to lean on and having the global perspective, having the weight of being able to say, no, we can put your brand in New York and in Australia and in England, like, you know, really helps in, you know, both with the data you're looking at, but also with the outcome and, and being able to throw your weight around a little bit in negotiations. So you go from NYCFC, how long were you there? I was there two years. And were you there for the championship? I was. Congratulations. I was. Thank you. Do you have a yeah. ring yet? Are you getting a ring? I, not yet. They're not here yet. Okay, but yeah. cool. So I have, it'll be my second. I actually have a WNBA championship ring as well from my time with the Minnesota Lakes. So I'm looking so, at Tom Cerny and yeah. I'm saying, so we should do like a ring thing. See how many of our, our faculty, there's probably a few others that have rings. I, I can't think off the top of my head, but we could probably find some. Yeah. Charlie Shin's still looking for a ring, but yeah. that's a different story. Um, so the league, you, you make a little bit of a transition from the east side to Midtown. Mm-hmm. Um, well, hopefully back in the office at some point. Um, but um, how did that work and how is the job different on the BI side now at the league? Yeah, so the... It's really interesting, right? I've been on the club side for a long time, you know, have a very good understanding of what, what goes into that and now seeing it from kind of the whole enterprise level versus just mm-hmm. the specific in-market club and the tactics there. And so uh, Major League Soccer kind of went through a bit of a reorgan structure in the strategy and BI area uh, over the past year. And so one of the things, and my role is, is new, is bringing on someone to be that go-between between the 29 clubs and the league office, right? Better understanding how can we share data how can we help each other out? What do we do well that we can help you with? What are we missing? What do you need from us that we can provide? Mm-hmm. And also sharing best practices across the teams and, and just mm-hmm. being that centralized point of contact for everybody. Um, so it's one month in, right? So I'm still mm-hmm. going through my intro interviews with a lot of the teams just to understand how many people, who they are, their tech stack, all that. But you know, the goal would be to really just help foster that collaboration between all the clubs. So how many clubs would you say, without naming names, have kind of a BI presence right now? All of them? I some? would say all of them have a presence. Mm-hmm. What that presence looks like is very different. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I'm discovering too is like, you know, in the NBA, in, the, in Major League Baseball, right? Everybody has a presence and you kind of understand what the floor of that is. There are teams that do it better. There are teams that don't have as many resources. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that gap is larger mm-hmm. in the MLS. We've got some teams that are doing it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some teams that, you know, only have one person. Right. right. And so, you know, that's not that Oops. one person's fault, right? You're the but guy. If you, but if you only Same. have one person right. and you're right. expected to try to service an entire organization's data strategy and analytics needs, like mm. that's going to be really difficult. Um, and you, obviously coming from the NBA and the NHL and the NBA is famous for team business operations and how they do things and how analytics factor into those decisions. Are those organizations where MLS aspires to be in terms of collaborative collecting data, or is it kind of a totally different set because of the fans? Yeah, I think, you know, we're just at very different points in the maturity of the leagues, too, right? right? The NBA is celebrating its 75th season this year. We're on season 27. WNBA 25 just went through. Exactly, right? And so, you know, we're still at a point where having a national presence and building our fan base and Mm -hmm. fan growth and focusing on the fan is essential. Not that you can forget about the fan once you're established, right? But we we really still need to be in acquisition mode Mm -hmm. um, where I think they can get a little more refined Mm -hmm. with how they're communicating with people where we're still just trying to find, you know, where where is our fan base? And we've got, you know, a lot of loyal fan bases in the cities that we're in, uh, you know, but we want to continue to grow the enterprise. We just need to continue to grow the fan bases, both in in the clubs, but also in the cities that they don't have MLS teams, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know who LeBron James is and who Kevin Durant is, even if you live in a city that doesn't have the NBA, right? But how do we make some of these MLS players more household names or teams, you know, in walking games, more of a, a household experience? So when, when you close your eyes and you look back at when you started with the Timberwolves and the Lynx to where you are today, 
how is BI evolved? And, and what does it mean if you close, you know, you, you go up to someone and say, oh, I work in business intelligence. They think you're a spy. I mean, how does, yeah. how does that kind of play out? Yeah, honestly, I mean, if you, even just the way that organizations think about it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I look back at where we were, we did my first year at the Wolves or my second year at the Wolves, we did a Thursday before Sloan, right? And the NBA sent a bunch of teams that had analytics. I think there were 12 teams there. Wow. Right? Maybe. And now, you know, I think the, you know, probably every team has at least three or four people, right? Mm -hmm. So even just from headcount technology resources and the investment that's gone in the space, both on the team side, but also with the third-party vendors that have come a long way that help us do our job better too, right? Because they realize the need for, you know, those partnerships with everybody else. So I think, you know, when I look back at it, it's just the, the massive growth and expansion and the fact that you can actually learn this in school now. Yeah. Right. Like it's a thing. It, it's a thing, it. right? It's like, it's like I have an economics degree. It's, it's, I can apply it to this. Right. But I wasn't trained to do this. I kind of had to learn as you go. And now you can actually come out of school prepared to really, you know, get you know, off and running in, in one of these departments. So, so I think just kind of the proliferation of um, it throughout the entire league and, and all of the leagues is kind of the growth of it. That's the biggest thing for me. So is it uh, last question before we get to our two last questions, is it based on, when you look at BI now, is it more on the brand side? It is, is it still on the ticketing side and filling seats and knowing who those into the fan journey is, or is it evolving? Yeah, I think it's definitely evolving. I think, you know, the ticketing piece, there's more data, right? And there's some quick wins if you're not using it. So that's where a lot of people start, but more and more teams are really starting to look at the fan experience, and the fan journey, because at the end of the day, if you're not gaining new fans or retaining your fans, right? Like the ticketing piece doesn't matter if nobody wants to come to your game. Right. And so how can we start to be more holistic around how we look at data and incorporating it to the entire organization? And that's partnerships, it's marketing, it's youth programs, it's community relations, and it's ticketing, right? Ticketing is always going to be a part of it. But I think so many more teams are understanding the value that it has outside of that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's kind of one of the biggest things that we're, we're still trying to push for as well. Kyle, so we ask everybody two questions before we let them bolt out the room and go have more free coffee. Um, how do you stay up to date with everything you're doing, especially on the analytics side of the places that you look, things you, you pull in when you're managing your time? And then you've had this kind of unique journey from being a referee to working at MLS with stops that picking up two rings, as you said, mm -hmm. along the way. What's the advice you give people who are either transitioning, like you did a transition, or starting out in a career? So how do you stay up to date? And then kind of what, what is it that you Yeah, I think for me, staying up to date, it's really connecting with my peers as often as possible across the industry and also ones that work in BI and analytics, not in sports, right? Because, yeah. you know, they're going to be on the forefront of stuff that we can use and vice versa. And so, you know, the more actual personal connections that you can have, even if it's an email, if it's a text message, a phone call, just like, Hey, have you done anything cool lately? Right. Or, you know, we're, we're thinking about this. Have you tried that? I think, you know, there's a, there's so much knowledge between all of these people. Um, you just have to be able to kind of tap into that and you know, use your network for good. Uh, and then advice for me, it, getting into the industry is like, just get in any way you can, right? If you're passionate about sports and you want to work hard, like it doesn't matter if you are working at a minor league team or a professional team or at a league, like any way you can get your foot in the door and just kind of come in and work hard. Like that'll get noticed and make it the next, the next job all that much easier. Cool. And then lastly, Kyle, how do people find you other than when you're refereeing on a field? Is it LinkedIn? <laughs> yeah. What's the easiest way? Yeah. To do? LinkedIn is great. Um, or, or Twitter at Kyle P. Burkhart. There we go. Another, we found it just, Tom, we just found another faculty member who's on Twitter, which is awesome. So, cool. Well, Kyle, once again, thanks for stopping in. It's great to have you on the faculty. It's great to know if we have any pickup games, who's going to referee from now on. <laughs> He's going to bring his rings into class at some point, which would be amazing. Yeah. 
So, but once again, Kyle Burkhart from MLS, thanks for joining us on The Cusp Show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.